Hello, and welcome back to the Us Now podcast, episode nine. I'm your host, Jenny Helmdahler. If you're new, the purpose of Us Now is to speak to students and faculty from Louisa County High School about different social issues pertaining to high school students today. If you'd like to support my project, you can go to Instagram at Us Now Podcast, where I give updates and reminders for new episodes, or you can click on a Google form linked in the description to give feedback. Thank you in advance. In today's episode, we're talking about extracurriculars and community engagement. Could you introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Ethan Snyder. I'm a senior, and I pitch for the high school varsity baseball team. And I'm Kate Fletcher. I'm an 11th grade English teacher. I'm the sponsor of the Interact Club, and I run along. <laughs> Hi, Jennifer Thorpe. I teach 9th grade health and PE, advanced PE, and I also help with the Lion Pride Club. Hi, I'm Jean Hess. I'm a senior, and I'm in Gale in Speech and Debate. Great. So the topic of this um, episode here might be like a little bit confusing because, you know, extracurriculars, um, it's kind of related to episode one, which was about school burnout. But today we're going to be specifically talking more about extracurriculars themselves rather than their effect on school performance. Um, that being, in set, that being said, um, so the first question is, in general, do you think extracurriculars increase academic performance? Go ahead. <laughs> um, this is... Kate Fletcher. I uh, definitely think they do. I think there's probably plenty of empirical evidence of that. Um, I think people who become engaged in the larger community are more likely to bring the best of themselves to the classroom as well. Um, and certainly here at Louisa County High School with my students, I've noticed that kids who are more involved outside of the classroom care even more about how they're doing inside the classroom. Maybe Ms. Thorpe has, oh, yeah. Um, I just know that a lot of my motivation comes from hanging out with my peers, and therefore, so like more hanging out with my peers and extracurriculars gives me that more motivation to do well. Mm -hmm. I agree, I agree with both the ladies. We see that the same kind of groups of students that are involved in one thing, they tend to be involved in multiple things, and then they're also the leaders in the classroom, and so, they hold themselves to a higher standard when they have sports or clubs or other events that they show up and they become their best selves in and out of the classroom. I find that like whenever I'm doing an extracurricular activity after school, my time management is a lot better. Um, yeah, like if I just ride the bus, I mean, I get home at like 4.30 anyway, just from the bus, or like if I drive home, it's a little bit earlier than that. But then I'll just find myself like sitting there, like eating a snack, and right. then just sitting there. Uh, yeah. And then like it's the same routine as of like I could actually be productive and get home later, but still do the same amount of work and feel like I've actually right. done something productive, mm -hmm. which feels better. Mm -hmm. So besides that, what are some other um, like benefits of extracurriculars? I could say that uh, through my experience, when you perform these extracurriculars, they give you a better sense of responsibility because you're not just managing the schoolwork that you do. You're not just managing the time with your family. It adds another weight onto, onto your normal schedule and what you have to do. And it makes you realize that while, like Ginny said, she might have that free time to sit there at home and eat snacks, like I have done many times, you have to realize that you're going to be getting home later so you're going to have less time to get the work done you're going to have less time to 
reflect on what you learned in class. So it not only makes you think about the homework that you need to do, it makes you pay attention more in class because you realize you're not going to have as much time at home to reflect on what you're learning. I think a huge part of extracurriculars is the social aspect too, is that opportunity to meet people that have the same interests as you, and then you can bring that energy and, you know, to things on the weekends. Maybe you still hang out with that team or those people. Or back in school, you you find more things in common with people that maybe you would have never talked to before unless you join the same club or the same team. That's happened a lot for me, mm -hmm. um, just through different clubs that I've not even joined, just went to one meeting. I've met people, and like, I would never consider myself to be friends with a freshman, but <laughs> here I am. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. I think there are so many aspects of life that are not covered in the classroom, that are not in academic classes. And obviously, CTE classes... Um, go into that territory, they tend to appeal to kids' interests that might not be met in history, science, math, and English, but a lot of extracurriculars are an extension even beyond that, where kids can even, you know, start a club that's devoted to something that might seem like minutia to someone else, but they can really hone in on something very specific that they're fascinated with, like, I don't know, and I know we have, we've had a games club, um, or chess club, a knitting, yes. yeah, where kids have a chance to explore interests that if it weren't for those clubs, they might literally never have any exposure to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like someone said, it was kind of an extension of the classroom, and for me that's like especially true because I've been doing concert bands in sixth grade, but, and then um, eighth grade I joined marching band, and marching band I've met, like, you know, some of the coolest people and I know some of them are just my best friends now so it's really awesome to be able to have that constancy throughout my high school years right. and be able to see someone even if I'm not comfortable in a particular situation that I know that person and I can kind of use them as a lifeboat if I'm feeling like you know not comfortable at a certain time yeah and I think even if you're not going to go to college extracurriculars are just so helpful just you know like the you're right the social aspect and just all of that um, just preparing you for the real world and dealing with different types of people who aren't necessarily in your classes mm -hmm. so how does extracurriculars how do extracurriculars help your time management skills I know I talked about that earlier a little bit but what about you specifically I can go. I, I know personally, I remember when I was in high school, um, my, uh, my best academic seasons were also the ones where I was doing one sport, if not two, mm -hmm. and working on top of that. And that was simply because I was forced to only have a window of time to do my work, mm -hmm. and I would use that window, and I would be way more productive. It's like you said, when you have a whole day off, you're like, ah, I can put that off till later. Same thing when I started coaching. And then I gave up coaching for a year. I was like, oh man, I need to do something with my time. I almost had too much time on my hands and I wasn't using it to do anything good. Yeah. I think, ironically, with sports, with any kind of athletic activity, and this seems like it would not be the truth, but it, it turns out to actually be very true that the more we move our bodies, the more energy we have. So you think, oh, that kitty's got 
practice for three hours, he must be exhausted. And of course, yes, if you come home at nine o'clock, you're going to be exhausted. But our bodies are meant to move. And in the times, because I've had lots of times in my life when I was pretty sedentary, but then times when I have been more active and I've always had more energy, even on less sleep, at times when I'm exercising, and obviously that doesn't have to be on a team, um, but and and something like marching band isn't a competitive. Well, it is competitive, but it's not a contact sport. It's not. Right. I I know it's a sport. Mm-hmm. Um, something like that that you might go into for the musical interest. Mm-hmm. Actually, you might realize that it's giving you this other benefit that you hadn't even known you'd achieve through joining marching band. Mm-hmm. Do you find that? I mean, you are in marching band. Do you oh, yeah. find that that activity in the fresh air gives you more energy? Um, yeah. Like With, when I don't do some kind of extracurricular activity, I, I will admit I don't get enough fresh air. I, I'm pretty sedentary, but I still do have to do some kind of exercise just to be able to focus myself because otherwise I'm just kind of sitting there. I might take a nap. I take a lot of naps, mm-hmm. um, but I'll wake back up and just kind of not. I, I won't feel like doing anything. So definitely any kind of activity outside or doing anything just helps. Even if it's just, you know, like I do scholastic bowl and I'm interacting with people, but even that helps more than just going home and doing nothing. So I know in movies a lot we will see a huge argument or a huge conflict over extracurriculars and which ones are kind of worth more. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that Louisa County is kind of less... It is less stereotypical than, you know, what a movie would see, obviously. But I do think that that kind of favoritism still exists. So what are y'all's thoughts on extracurricular favoritism? I think it definitely depends on the success of the extracurricular, whether it's a sport, a club. Uh, and, And as I've seen through Louisa County, definitely whatever brings in more money for the school or brings in more popularity for the school generally gets more money from the school. Uh, So take football, for example. You get thousands of people to come out to a single game uh, at home, and generally our student sections even on a way or just our whole visitor section on a way can often be more than than the home population for the other team and it just seems like based on the success of the team and based on how many people that you get to come out to those games those are the sports and those are the curriculars extracurriculars that generally get more attention and more time and that really kind of makes it difficult for the other sports to catch up because if the school's not putting the focus on those sports and those extracurriculars that aren't performing as well then they fall behind and they don't really have a chance to catch up. I've also seen that a lot of the academic sports don't really get the same recognition as the like contact sports, um, not necessarily through the school, but from the other students. Um, like I met another senior today who's been here all four years and didn't even know what a speech and debate was. So I was, I don't know, it was weird. Yeah, and that's especially bad because, you know, Speech and Debate is one of the most successful teams that Louisa County has. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll take the Scholastic Bowl. We're not exactly super um, successful in everything that we do. But I mean, you know, it's still fun. Um, we still exist. 
Um, but we definitely do not get held to the same standards as like most of the other extracurriculars here, I would think. Yeah. And I think a big thing of it is like the whole stereotype of um, like, you know, jock versus nerd or something that's physical, very physical or something that's more brain oriented. Um, but I don't know. I think that's kind of changing. I think a lot of that is probably even affected by the larger cultural context. Mm-hmm. What part of the country you're in, if you're in a rural area or an urban area. Um, I know I went to a much smaller high school in Falls Church, Virginia. So it was an urban area, but because of the boundaries of Falls Church City, I graduated with just 92 kids. And so our, because we were so small, and maybe for other reasons, our athletic teams were awful. <laughs> and the activities that were actually probably, what's the word? Like, the more students were involved with and more enthusiastic about and that were hyped up the most mm-hmm. were things like theater. I remember theater being um, something that everyone wanted to be a part of. Um, and I, I remember sadly that no one went to our football games. Like I never went to a football game and I honestly don't know anyone who ever went to, which is kind of sad, obviously yeah. for those football players, I don't know who they were. Mm-hmm. But I, so a lot of that probably is even beyond the reach of the school and the students. Like when you think of a game and who's coming from the community to watch. So when Ethan said thousands of people are coming to the football game, I mean, a lot of those people are community members that may never have even had children in the school system. Yeah, it's just a complex. I think it's a big, Mm -hmm. lots of forces coming in. Right. I think with football, especially in Louisa, and I'm an outsider too, so I didn't go to high school here. I grew up in New York. Um, But football in Louisa is Friday night. Mm -hmm. You know, people are off. Most people are off on Saturday. It's only once a week. Right. So, you know, and we turn it into an event. It becomes an event. But, I mean, I do see how our community and our athletics department is trying to get people at other games. I don't know if you went to the basketball game this week. They did a giveaway Mm -hmm. for the student section. And so it's going to take more energy and effort. Football, you just say there's a game Friday night, everybody's there. It's going to take more energy and effort and funding to get people at other games or other events. Um, But they are just as important, and the students and the athletes work just as hard in, in every single sport. And I think even among sports teams, there's favoritism. Like, of course, it's based off of um, success. And I think that totally makes sense. Of course, football brings in money. Football, like, is very successful, obviously. So, yeah, I, of course, get that it should get the money and it should get more of the attention. But there are some sports, I think, that even though they're sports, they kind of get um, a little bit held back. Um, I mean, I'm on the tennis team as well. So we don't usually get too much but also, I, we haven't been successful at all <laughs> in recent years. So, I mean, I kind of get it. And obviously, tennis takes less resources than football. So that makes mm-hmm. sense. But also, it is kind of like, oh, well, th- we're, it sort of feels like an afterthought yeah. in a way. I don't know if there are any, what other sports are kind of like that. It's interesting because football is literally in a stadium. Like, there's mm-hmm. just, right. It sounds funny to talk about how much seating is there. But even watching a tennis match, there's going to be... Like, I wonder what would happen if somehow mm-hmm. a tennis game was put into a stadium yeah. and the approach to it was just completely different. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you see professional tennis have huge stadiums. Right, of course, yeah. of course. Yeah. yeah, but no, obviously not at the high school level. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, at the high school level too, tennis is so boring to watch. It's <laughs> if you don't know tennis, it's not very fun. Um, so, do you think that we should have that difference in attitude between extracurriculars? I guess I'm wondering if the question is, should we have it or is it avoidable? Yeah, I guess. I know. Both. I mean, ideally we wouldn't, mm-hmm. but... I would definitely say that in today's society it's kind of unavoidable because success, it's, and it's not just success, the, the ability of a sport to even function depends on the ability of maintaining and upkeeping that sport. If you can't upkeep and you can't maintain the costs and the expenses of that sport, then it's going to fail. So like you said earlier, how football costs a lot more than tennis does, or it costs more than baseball does, they're going to put more money into it. But then I think that there's also definitely a political system over the years of which sport just becomes more popular, which people play which sport. And depending on that, everybody comes out with their friends for a certain sport. Uh, uh, I know soccer hasn't always been successful, but they're still not a bad sport. They do well each year. They get better and better each year. But as you can see with, uh, with track, with football, with baseball, it's, it's all friends coming out with each other. And I think that part of the reason why extracurriculars get so skewed is because the teams that have the successful and athletic friends that come out, and this is just on the athletic, this isn't all extracurriculars, uh, but the teams that have more athletic and successful friends come out, the team's going to be more successful, they're going to be more popular. Uh, and, and I think that's a big a demographic for that. And until we can get away from that to where it's more based off of people who really want to proceed later in life with that sport, people who... Uh, when the sport is solely based off of talent, I think that until then it's going to be quite unavoidable to stop all of this, all of these differences between the extracurriculars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what is the most popular sport in the United States of America? Baseball. Oh, you think baseball? baseball? I mean, I know baseball is like the American pastime. It's, oh, but it's, okay. It's, it's one who's of watch, which sport is mostly wa- most watched? Football. Football, for sure. So is one of the top ones in the world, mm-hmm. worldwide, but baseball's like anywhere from four to seven, depending mm-hmm. on the year. It's yeah. still like top ten sports generally goes along the lines of, in the United States, of like football, baseball, basketball, hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, soccer is still up there. Uh, and I think tennis is up there, tennis too. Tennis is in the top ten, at least. Yeah. You, uh, softball. Do you think Louisa County High School pretty closely mirrors national interests? Uh, I would say so. I mean, it's. I think Louisa is just so football biased. That's, like, kind of football all the way up here. Everything else, like, maybe in the middle, like, basketball, all those sports. And then kind of the bottom where people don't even hear of those sports we often. Have team. Yes, we do have a swim team. <laughs> Not many people know that. <laughs> we do have many sports mm-hmm. and many activities. I would say that there's a difference between the top sports of the country and the top sports of the country for high school. That's true. So when it comes to high school sports, I'd say that we definitely follow almost exactly with that. Football's huge. I mean, if you still look at basketball, they're trying to get more people out. But still every game, the stands are almost full when it gets mm-hmm. – I, I don't go to the girls' games – just because generally I have 
I mean, yeah, I know. Yes. I mean, that's just a good question to I, talk about. The yes, I, I normally just don't go to those. I wouldn't go to the guys' games either except for the fact that my little brother's on, on JV. So in that sense, I go to those games. But before Wyatt started playing basketball and before last year when I went a couple times with Tristan, I don't think I'd ever been to a basketball game, and I probably still wouldn't if Wyatt didn't play basketball. But, I mean, generally following the school, though, it was like football, basketball, uh, track. track, track and baseball are up there too. Even when the years where baseball and track or basketball don't do so well, just generally those are popular sports. So everybody comes out to those. And then you have the other ones like soccer and tennis and those that other people generally don't come out to. And I think they all need to be focused on equally. Don't just Don't just focus on oh, let's get more people to come to soccer and tennis. But because of that, let's not focus on football or, or basketball as much. I think we need to focus on all of them equally. Yeah, so Ms. Fletcher was also saying just a second ago how there is a difference between um, what men and women's sports or at the high school level, girls and boys sports. So how, what does that look like at the high school level or at least in this school? Again, I feel like that's probably following larger cultural trends that on the national level there's a much greater interest in men's sports and I think it's probably to a greater extent at the national level. I actually think we at Louisa County High School actually do a decent job of trying to counteract that. I, I definitely feel like there are so many female athletes in my classrooms um, and they're really serious about what they do, and they're really excited about what they do, and they're very much encouraged and supported. But I think that overarching national trend of more attention and more money going to men's sports must be having some effect, and has historically, even if we're trying to fight it here, is hanging there in the distance of our culture, I think. That, I mean, you're the you're a female gym teacher. You must have a lot to say about that. It and you know what? It never really bothered me as a three or four sport athlete in high school. I played the game to play the game, you know. And I showed up and I did my best every day, just to be an athlete to get out there and play. And then that ended, and I saw it in a different light. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw that there was a lot less people at girls basketball games. I mean, I knew that, mm-hmm. but I never. I never thought twice about it because when you're in a game, you're focused on the game. You're not really worried about the stands. Yeah. So f- as an athlete perspective, didn't really bother me. As a coach and a teacher, I do hope athletes and, and speech and debate and theater and everybody feels supported, you know, and feels like they have the community behind them, even though maybe physically you don't have as many people in the stands. Female athletes are, you know, the lesser of the sport, so to say. Um, but I, I do think the community is 100% behind every, everything we do. Yeah. And, and it's like a puzzle. You have to have all those different pieces to make up our whole school. You can't just have football. It wouldn't yeah. be, you wouldn't, I don't know, have the same energy here. Right. It's so interesting to hear you guys talking about uh, the stands and everything because in yeah. speech and debate, we aren't allowed to have anyone in the room um, except for oh, our competitors. Uh, is that the same in Scholastic Bowl? Um, so, a lot of other schools take Scholastic Bowl a lot more serious than 
we do. Not that we, like, don't take it seriously, but, like, you know, Western Albemarle, they will have their sports teams or their um, school team training from, like, sixth grade, and they'll have practice, like, every day. So some of those schools will, like, some of the students' parents will be there because I think it's technically free to watch, um, although I totally understand that it would be totally uninteresting to watch from someone who doesn't do Scholastic Bowl. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't know that school, uh, that speech and debate was a closed room. It's not necessarily a closed room, um, but like observers who want to do it in like future years are usually the only ones that ever show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it because it makes the judges uncomfortable for like parents to show up usually. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's it's really interesting to see how that like uh, influences you guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, personally, I would not really want too many people watching my games. Like, I mean, personally, I have, like, a pretty bad competitive mindset. I don't do that well under pressure. I don't like people seeing me, like, make mistakes that I could have avoided. So it's kind of nice that random people aren't watching me during tennis because otherwise I'd feel like, oh, this is their only um, perception of me doing really badly in this moment. They're just going to judge me on that from now on, which, honestly, I don't think is totally not true. I think we do do that, which is, I don't know, not the best. So, yeah, go ahead. I would say that another part of it for the reason that you see these differences is the difference in the types. Like if you were to compare girls' basketball and guys' basketball, or, like, well, I mean, for softball and baseball, you see about general, the crowds are about even for both. Because when you look at the field sizes, you can see, okay, a girl can hit a softball over the fence. And I'm telling you, it's, it's actually not as, it's not as easy as people think. But they can do it. A guy can hit a home run over the baseball fence. But in terms of field size and then from ball and bat ratios, they're both about equally hard, which is why when you want to come out and you want to see those levels and you want to see that speed and the movement and the quick throws, then it's pretty even. And then you get to basketball. Now, I'd say that for that sport, one of the reasons you might see a big difference is people come out, they want to see that dunk. They mm-hmm. want to, I mean, they want to see all of those shots, so they come out to the guys' games. Mm-hmm. When they get to the girls' games, you don't really expect that because they don't change anything. The rims are still 10 feet tall. The court's still just as big. So it creates a much larger difference between that. And then, of course, our favorite sport as a country, um, there is no... There is no professional women's football team, right? <laughs> I mean, Mr. there are, but there's not. I get, yeah, no, not, play, not right. playing on television mm-hmm. no. on a regular basis. No, right. Yeah. And so right away, the most popular sport in America is a man sport, which is going to, that's got to have some effect. Yeah. Although I found out this, this morning, I didn't know that we had a female wrestler. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was really impressed by That's, that, and I wanted. Mm-hmm. I found out on my duty. I oh. was talking to her as we were waiting by the door in the locker room, and mm-hmm. I was really impressed and wanted to talk more about to mm-hmm. her about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and that was a really good point you made, Ethan, about how like it depends on the sport. That like some sports are the same level, so for girls and boys, it's kind of like there's is a difference in you know how fast and how quick everything's going, um, and I think that's also a reason that some sports just don't get as much attention um and like for for instance tennis no one really goes to tennis matches unless they're like the parent or the friend of a person on the team and I kind of I totally understand that and I, I know that 
guys and girls tennis, there is kind of a difference in how fast everything's moving or like, oh, wow, that was a really cool shot. But yeah, I, I do see that difference and I do understand it. I mean, look at track. Those yeah. things, that's, that's a very, very successful sport. Mm-hmm. But I have gone to track meets and I can honestly say when you sit there, I mean, running them, running track is fun. But when you sit there and watch a track like, meet, oh, man, they're going around. They're around just around. running. I mean, they're just <laughs> running in circles, and there's a lot of competitiveness in that sport. But you just you sit there, and, and it just depends on how how fast everything's moving. People go there for the excitement. People go there for the enjoyment. Mm-hmm. So, I think no matter how much a sport gets popularized, it also just depends on the yeah. s- the speed of the sport. Yeah, d- different sports have different appeal to spectators. Mm-hmm. I mean, even a short race on the track is going to probably appeal more to most visitors who are watching than two-miler. the kids who are running the two-miler or who literally disappear into the woods and come back half an hour later, <laughs> which would be a cross-country meet. I was really interested in something Miss Thorpe said, that when she was playing, I'm sorry, what was the sport? Basketball. Yeah, and I played basketball Mm -hmm. in high school. Mm -hmm. So when you were playing basketball, you didn't really pay much attention to who was watching. And I feel like this conversation, we spent a good amount of time talking about which sports are more appreciated. But of course, to most, and I'm not, I don't want to diminish that because it does feel really bad not to have your sport appreciated. Like, obviously, that's not a good feeling. But at the same time, I think most people, if they're doing something for the right reasons, and I think all the students I know who are participating in extracurricular activities are doing it because I know very few students who are doing it just to add on to their resume or their application. And those kids, what they get from the sport goes so much deeper and further than how many people are watching the play. And then, Jenny, what you said adds to that because you don't even want people watching you. Like, what you're getting from it is much more internal than that. I like the feeling of improving. Right, right. So just because a sport maybe isn't appreciated, like those kids run off into the woods and and maybe no one can even watch them for a big portion of the race, but obviously they're getting something much bigger out of it than who's watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing yeah. is, like, would you really even want someone there who doesn't want to be there? Right. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, I've heard of people who, um, like, they want to make the football team go to other people's games so that way they get to know like what it's like but also at the same it's like I don't feel like I'd want a group of football players um, watching a band competition no offense to them one it'd be uninteresting to them two they have no idea what's going on and like you do you really want people who don't even care to be there right well yeah so um and speech and debate as performing I feed off of the audience and how they are reacting to my performance And so what you said about people who don't want to be there, that would just bring my performance a whole lot down. Even my fellow competitors sometimes will look bored because they've heard it three or four times that day. Mm -hmm. And it seems to just kind of take my energy and my enjoyment out of it. I definitely do the same thing where I just kind of feed off of other people's energy. Um, like in tennis, if I hear someone like make like a little comment or if I think I hear someone mm-hmm. making a little comment and they didn't, it just it makes my game go down so much just because I totally overthink things way too much. Right. So it just kind of it all depends on the weather, the time of day, how tired I am. Yeah. So I feel like we shouldn't assume that a sport is somehow 
better or more enjoyable because it has more spectators. Right. Like that's just one aspect of participating in any activity. Mm-hmm. And I would like to think that any person participating in an activity at Louise County High School would do it literally if they were just alone or with their teammates and no one was watching. I would like to think that they were getting something out of it so internally and personally that the spectators wouldn't really even be that relevant. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, that, <laughs> maybe that's not realistic. And that's like a really good transition because I was going to ask, I know you said that you really hope that people here do the sport because they really enjoy it Mm -hmm. and that they do it even if there weren't an audience watching. But I have heard people, especially because I'm a senior now, so I've heard people say like, yeah, I've been doing this for so long. I don't really like doing it anymore, but I need to, you know, ride it out. Right. Um, And I don't know, that feels like so sad. Because, of course, maybe somewhere deep down they do enjoy it. And I hear a lot of people who say, like, yeah, I hate it right now, right. but in a year I'm going to miss it dearly. Mm-hmm. But I do hear people now saying, like, yeah, I, I don't really enjoy this, but I'm, I need to finish it out. So what are your thoughts on, like, doing things that you just kind of feel obligated to? Not only is that a little sad or disappointing, it's also wrong because, in my opinion... I mean, in my opinion, when when you're doing something because you don't enjoy it, but because you feel obligated, you're taking the spot of someone else that really loves and still loves what whatever you're doing. Or, or I mean, if you're both doing the same thing, and I've I haven't done a ton of sports. I did. I mean, I did speech and debate eighth grade year. I still I'm a leader on the FCA uh, for FCA, but. It's always just been baseball from when I was a kid. And when I'm when I, out there on the field and I see someone who's complaining or I, you can tell that there's someone who doesn't want to be here but they're there because they feel obligated to be there, I know that I could go out in the hallways and find someone who is just as talented or maybe not as talented but they have the ability to progress and get better because they want to be there. And when these people fill up spots on teams or on rosters for any club or extracurricular just because they feel obligated, they're taking the spot of someone who might want to do that later in life. Um, As a coach, I can say, too, that you want your athletes to have energy and positive energy and be feeding that into their teammates. And it doesn't matter if that kid has the most talent, if he's the best or she's the best player on the team. If they have negative energy, that will spread. Mm-hmm. It'll spread so quickly. And so if they don't care anymore, even though they'll have regret maybe if they quit, um, if they don't care anymore, it's best to kind of knit that early rather than waiting until they've spread negative energy to the whole team. Mm-hmm. And specifically, specifically for band, um, I know in the past I think that we've sort of had some um, negative energy um, whether it be from a few individuals or just, you know, a general, it's not, you know, the best thing for the group. Um, I found that this year it was just so much better because the energy was better. And if one person, even day by day, like if one person is in a bad mood, the entire practice goes so poorly. And by the end, everyone is just so done with it. So it's really, it's actually, it's kind of entertaining from the outside to see like, oh, that one person's like really not feeling it today. Let's see what, let's see what happens. Do you get that? The same thing in in like speech and debate? Oh, definitely. Um, 
during practice, like, someone someone will just have a bad day, and it'll kind of just spread throughout practice, um, and it'll just kind of be kind of gloomy. Um, we'll also have this thing where we're not judged as a team necessarily. We're judged individually. Um, so on days that we get our ballots back and we find out our placings, sometimes we'll get disappointed with our placings and we'll kind of be like, I'm not feeling practice today. I'm not doing well, so like, why should I bother? Mm-hmm. Or sometimes they'll do like better than they thought they did. Um, and they will get like, okay, cool, like I'm pumped. Let's like let's do this. Let's do really well. Um, so there's that factor in that too. So now I'd like to move on to specifically clubs because I know we've talked about like after school activities a lot. Um, clubs at this school, if you're watching and you're not from the school, so how it works, our clubs kind of have green and gold days. And so we only have club days twice a month. They alternate. So that means if you're in a club, most clubs do it in a way that you're only meeting in the club for 30 minutes a month. What are your thoughts on that? (laughs) It's definitely not enough time. Um, So what what Gail has done um, in the past is our officers will meet on like one day during pride time um, which is kind of like a study hall at the beginning of the day. Um, and we'll do, like, plan out our days so that way we can have more stuff to do. Um, but it just it just never seems like it's enough time. I'm the, I'm the sponsor for the Interact Club, and we've just started meeting on both Green and Gold Days. And actually, I'm not sure if we're allowed to do that, mm-hmm. but we, we just took the initiative and said, oh, let's meet twice a month. But what that means for those students is that they really can't be a member of another club. So I think for students who want to be a member of more than one club, they're either stuck meeting with that club just Mm -hmm. for half an hour once a month, or they're um, forced to choose. So I, I, I have to conclude that my Interact students have chosen Interact interact but they're probably leaving some other interest mm-hmm. to wither <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and really quickly could we go around again and see like which clubs we're in mm-hmm. um yeah okay so i'm in gale which is gay and allied youth of louisa That's all I um lion pride club it does like school events like um tournaments and we do an event for the american heart association and we put on a color run and anything like that um, the Interact Club, and it's for students who are wanting to contribute to the community in all kinds of ways. And I'm a student leader for FCA, uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Disclaimer, you do not have to be an athlete to be in that club, uh, but essentially it's just a group of the Christian community inside the high school, and we bring in speakers and uh, just just things like that uh, get a feel for different people and different opinions and see how we can expand what we believe is the word of the Lord throughout the community. And I am in uh, NHS National Honor Society as well as the International Club. And also I am in TriM, which is like the Music Honor Society here. However, I can't attend the meetings. 
because I already have NHS and the International Club. And I always feel so bad because I can't go to any of those meetings. Luckily, I have ties with leadership there, so I can know what's happening. However, it just kind of sucks that I'm not able to actually be there and contribute. And I've found, like, so I'm in leadership for um, the for NHS and International Club, and we've really made a huge push this year in both organizations to just m do more. Because in my experience, um, NHS at least hasn't really done too much outside of like things that um, our sponsor kind of plans for us. And then in International Club, we didn't really end up doing too much last year. But I, me and other um, members who are leaders of those clubs have really had to make like a lot of extra effort to actually do more things that we want to. And it's just, yeah, you're right, it's never enough time to do everything that we want. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. Um, so I thought it was funny, Miss um, Thorpe said that she thought that I was in more clubs. Um, <laughs> I am. Um, but that's the thing with like club time, if I would be more involved in more clubs, if there was club time, like we started a jewelry making club this year and I thought that sounded so cool, but I don't have any time to join because I go to clubs with, for Gail and then I also go to clubs for speech and debate mm -hmm. and there just seems to never be enough time. Mm -hmm. And I will also say we were talking about obligation to be at an extracurricular earlier, but I think another flip side of that, our club system kind of allows some students to just sign on to clubs and never be there. Um, I mean, I'm kind of guilty of it in Triam, although I try to participate in everything I can. But I do find that I have come across students who say like, oh, I'm a member of like these six different clubs and I don't attend any of them. And it's just kind of like, wow, well, that's, so it feels a little bit like a slap in the face sometimes, knowing that there are people who are really committed to be there. And then like, you know, people who want to be there but can't, except you just, you're just kind of like, you're signing it on and then a lot of times you can use that for like college apps or other kinds of um, things to fill out to make it seem like you're doing more than you actually are yeah <laughs> well I mean it's great to be involved and like I think it's great that there are so many different interests in the school community but yeah I have found that like some students just don't really commit they overcommit, which is a huge theme which I am guilty of as well but it's interesting I'm trying to remember how clubs were handled when I was in high school, and I'm not 100% certain, and I graduated in 1992, <laughs> disclaimer, but I think we had a late bus every day, but it didn't leave as late as the late bus here, so it wasn't for athletes, it was for kids going to something more like a club event, and I want to say that the late bus left at 4 or 4.15, maybe 45 minutes after the other buses which obviously is a huge cost to the school system to have a whole other fleet of buses, and I don't know how they managed it. Oh, I guess our town was so small, though, because it was just two square miles were the boundaries of it. So maybe the buses honestly came all the way back. But I frequently stayed after school because it wasn't this huge commitment into the evening, and I would go to club meetings after school. It was an after-school kind of event that the maybe the teacher in charge of the club would say, hey, let's meet on Tuesdays and Thursdays. 
it wasn't during the day. I think maybe how big our county is and rural and the system with the buses, it makes it very difficult to have club times after school. And I've been here 15 years, and I honestly can't remember the different ways we've exp We've definitely experimented with it in various ways. I just can't remember all the different formations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you're right. Like, being in a rural county takes so much time away. If you're in a city, like, you could, some people can just walk home, mm -hmm. and that will take maybe 10 five minutes, but I live 40 minutes away from the school. So anything yeah. that I do, it's going to, I need to always make the mental note of adding that extra time of when I'm going to be home, mm -hmm. which, so yeah, I get home usually at like 7 p.m. Mm -hmm. and then I have to do all my stuff. So it's kind of yeah. frustrating and it's like, oh, well darn, I did all this stuff and I feel like I wasted that time as mm -hmm. well. So also besides clubs, there are other extracurriculars. So I use the examples of volunteerism, work experience, um, like taking care of the home if you have siblings. So what are what is the significance of those other kinds of extracurriculars? I know a lot of times um, when it comes to teachers assigning homework, um, they'll take into account the extracurriculars through the school, ooh, through the school but they won't necessarily take into account extracurriculars like volunteerism, or um, sometimes they'll do jobs, um, but they aren't taken as seriously because they're not as visible as what I've been, what I've seen. That's true, we don't know who's working every night or taking care of their family or pets or doing chores around the farm or whatever it may be. We, Time they for come a into, Yeah, they come into school and I have 30 kids in my class and I have no idea who is working the night before, taking care of whatever they had to take care of. So you're right, it is not as visible as, oh, you're on the volleyball team, oh, you're on the tennis team or football team, right? Yeah, and I know people who say that, like, they do the, all these extracurriculars throughout the year and they hold a job. Like, I'll hear people who do all of their honors classes and then go to a sport and then work until like 9 p.m. and it's that's insane. I would not be able to handle that. They seem like they're barely handling it, honestly. But it's just crazy that some people have that much stuff on their plate right. and they're still getting by. Hopefully they're getting by. I think if a student wants to do that and they're managing it well and they're happy, then go for it. I guess I worry about students who I sometimes see who seem to be doing it so they can put it on an application. Right. And then I feel like they're going to end up potentially at a school where they presented themselves as the person who could manage all of these things, and now they have to kind of take that persona that might be a little bit false if really they're actually stressed out and miserable. Now they're going to take that persona to this really good school that they got into, and they're going to have to maintain that persona, and it's probably going to get even more intense. And then they're going to be an adult who feels like they have to do all of these things. I feel like when do you just get to be the person you really are, whether that's a person who needs to go home and spend some introverted time alone staring into space, but that's who you are, and you go to a college that's for a person like you. Like, you go to a place where you're comfortable as a college student, and then you turn into an adult who lives a life by your own making that you decided on, whether that is a super busy social life with lots of different commitments, or that's a life where maybe you're really committed to one particular passion, or a life where your passions are internal and maybe no one can even see them on the outside but you have your a life that you carved out for yourself that you love i feel like i just it makes me sad to see such young people already kind of pretending to be someone that they think they're supposed to be so they can go to college and they'll have to maintain you know right and when does it end like yeah 
you know, I feel like we should end sense? there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, that was like the huge theme um, in the, oh. the school burnout uh, episode, the first episode, and we talked a lot about that. Um, yeah, it's just we talked about how having so many things on your plate is just so not healthy, especially if you don't enjoy them. And so I was saying also, um, or I was thinking that a lot of kids at the school go home and for people who don't really know them, they may assume that they don't do anything productive. But I know a few people who, you know, they don't have an extracurricular, they don't have a job, but they go home and they, you know, they have other stuff that they're busy with that's necessary and that's, you know, conducive to their well-being and important for their self-enrichment. So I think it's kind of bad sometimes that we have the attitude that people, More is better. Yeah, that people who don't have a huge schedule that they just go home, we assume that they just do nothing. Mm-hmm. So I think next, so yeah, we were talking about overcommitment, joining more organizations for the purpose of college transcripts mm-hmm. or being able to say you do something that's totally, you know, I... I don't like it. <laughs> I I don't like the idea of it, and it kind of it's disappointing when I see people doing that because you just kind of know that they're not really happy. Um, so that being said, how do we balance work and play? Uh, I know one thing that I've realized, and I've talked with some people through admissions, and as we're talking about it, just sort of on the student side as I talk with people that are through admissions uh, with colleges or with other programs they don't want to hear that you did this, 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 and this. Most of the time what they would rather hear is I did these few things, these three or four things through my program through school, a sport, maybe a club, and uh, sometimes a job as well. But when you do those things, you focus on those, and each year you should be getting more and more and more involved. And they want to see someone who goes through a program and gets more involved in that program. They don't want to hear about someone who did five or six different things and wasn't very involved in them. So I I think a good way to get the community involved and get involved with the community is focus on things that you really enjoy and only focus on a couple of them. Don't try and overextend yourself. And when you focus on those couple things, generally you'll have the largest impact. I agree, Ethan. I think if you were to sit down for an interview and they asked you what you were involved in and you just gave them a list and couldn't actually talk about it, couldn't smile about it, couldn't get excited about what you were involved in, I think they would probably say, uh, okay. But if you were actually to say, you know, for example, a color run, like I was involved in the color run and I helped map out the course and I actually ran it a few times before the event and I did all the colored powder and I sprayed it at people and I, you know, whatever, whatever that is, if you can talk with some excitement about what you were involved in, then it's very real to the person that's maybe doing the interview or the coach or the um, applications office. And that's like a side note too. Um, I think, I don't know if it happens at this school quite as much, but I know like some people are afraid to try new things or maybe even they're afraid to show their passion about certain things, which I also think, I mean, the societal pressure to, um, you know, do a certain thing or like think a certain way. I don't know. It's just or not. Or do things if you're quote unquote good at them. Right. That's also a big thing. Like if you're not good at something, apparently you can't enjoy it, mm-hmm. which 
I mean, for tennis, I'm not particularly good at it, but I still enjoy it, and there are still aspects of it that, like, you know. Can I bring in my middle-aged brother? He, He said to me a few years ago, he lives out in Portland, Oregon, and he said, Kate, because that's my first name. <laughs> Kate, I don't get it. Why does everyone have to be a cyclist now? I just like riding my bike. Can't I just be someone who rides their bike? Uh-huh. You know, everyone feels like they have to, like, professionalize everything. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to, you're always supposed to do things if you're really good at them and you're going to go all the way with them. I think that's just, there's so many experiences that you might miss out on if that's the attitude, mm-hmm. right? Sense. The purpose of an extracurricular is self-enrichment, not, mm-hmm. and the purpose of a hobby is to do it on your own time for fun and not make it your life's goal to, maybe maybe you don't even have a goal with what you're doing, you just enjoy doing it, and that's just, I think that's the more important part there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. I do think there are two sides to that argument. Uh, I do agree, but then sometimes I will also disagree, and I think it depends on the fact that when you think of extracurriculars, uh, another way that you can divide them is by individual extracurriculars and group extracurriculars. And when you're doing an individual extracurricular, I think that's a great time where it doesn't matter how good you are. It depends on whether you enjoy it or not. Don't don't spend your individual time on something that you're going to hate doing, but you're really good at it. But I think that when it does come to team sports or when it does come to team clubs or extracurriculars or competitions, not only do you have to really enjoy it, but there does need to be a level of skill. You can't join a team group where the success of the team directly depends on you, and if you know that each time you're not good at it and you're going to let the team down each time, but you're having fun, well, I think you can still do that thing, but find a different league where you might be more at the right level for you until you get better at it. Go play a pickup game at the yeah. local yeah, and, court. Until you get better <laughs> yeah. at it, then... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there any last words? I said my name's Ethan. Yeah. So I think the bottom line is, like, you know, try new things. Um, don't be afraid that... Don't be afraid of trying new things. Don't be afraid of liking a particular thing. Um... I don't know what else. Um, have fun with what you're doing, and you know, don't care what other people think. Be who you are. Be who you are. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, that's like the bottom line of this whole podcast. I feel like. Oh, of all of your episodes. Yeah. yeah <laughs> probably. Theme. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you're you. welcome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>